0: First reading is Psalm 126, Um, you can find that on page 430 of the Bibles in the chairs, so the small print Bibles, or if you have a large print Bible, it's on page 967, so 430 for small print, 967 for large print. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Second reading can be found this morning. <clears throat> Ephesians 2:1 to 10 can be found on page 813 of the small print Bible in the pew, or on page 18 one six I think no one eight one five sorry of the large print bible. Ephesians two one to ten Made alive in Christ. As for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
2: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Margaret. Thank you, Liz. And Ian, you're not excluded from the rock and roll thing just because you've got some mechanical device there. You've got to be there. And I'm glad it's being held in the West, The West is best. (laughs) I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And we do pray as we look at it and be reminded again of what you have done for us, that it might uh, thrill our hearts and encourage us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just too good to be true. Have you ever received any news That was better than you could have even imagined. Maybe a grandchild did better in the HSC than they expected. Maybe the doctor said to you, the cancer is in remission. Or maybe at long last somebody got a job. At last they got off their bottom and got a job. After being surprised by joy, we must sometimes think, I must be dreaming, or I just can't believe it. That was the attitude of some Israelites some 537 years before Jesus was born. They and their parents, some 70 years earlier, had been taken captive by the king of Persia, the country we now call Iran, and in about the year 537, they were told that they could go home, that they had been in captivity for 70 years, but now you can go home. And when are we ever, when we receive such news, the young people today say, "Let's party!" Or yes. And that's actually how the people felt. If you like to look with me, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. The captives could go home, to their spiritual home. How important it is, that all of us have a spiritual home. I went to a funeral on Monday of a friend of some 40 years. The service was held in the church in which she was baptised, where she went to Sunday school, where she was confirmed, where she met her husband, where she was married, where she served as a Sunday school teacher, a GFS leader and a warden, And finally her funeral. Over 80 odd years in a church. Quite a remarkable thing, isn't it? And we can all look back, you know, you're attached to this church. Some of you, although you don't look like it, may have been here a long, long time too. But, you know, 80 years of a spiritual home. And... It's wonderful when we have our spiritual home. And verses one and three in this passage remind us that it is, a, is God who had worked in the king's heart to let the people home go home. Verse one: "When the Lord restore the fortunes of Zion. This is no accident. There is no political coup. It is the work of the sovereign God of the whole earth, these powerless people, for that's what they were. They had been taken off into captivity into another country. But the God who brought them out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery has again, after another 70 years of captivity, saved them yet again. In the passage that Liz read for us, we are told there that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that we were enslaved to sin, but that God had worked in us and brought us to a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was a costly exercise for Jesus by any measure, Jesus led a tragic life on earth. There were rumours of illegitimacy. His brothers, we read in the scriptures, thought he was mad. He was rejected by the majority of people who heard him. He didn't have a million Twitter followers. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered a mocking trial and was executed in the manner in which was reserved for slaves and violent criminals. It was also a costly exercise for his father. For what parent wants to see their children suffer? And to suffer for people who actually disregarded them. That's the way the Bible points it out. That is why we were seen as dead in our trespasses and sin, for we were not alive in Christ. The people of Israel had turned away from God, but God had saved them, and now they sing. Our mouths, verse 2, Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Well, when we come to church, we sing. Well, some of us sing and some of us make a noise. No, I will never earn my salvation through singing. Well, what do we sing about? Well, we sing about our salvation, don't we? Just as those people sang about going home, and we do what it says in verse two. It says to us, "Our tongues were filled with laughter, our, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues were with songs of praise. Then it was said among the nations, "The Lord has done great things, and in fact He has." He has sent the Lord Jesus. Our salvation is priceless. Here is the good news, and they must have sort of really been on a high. But when they go home, things are not good. They were actually rather bleak. It's a bit like the people who come home from the bushfires, having been evacuated and find that their house has been burnt down. It was bleak for a number of reasons. First of all, only a small group returned to the homeland. There weren't millions of people who went home. Some actually, although they had been given their freedom, didn't want to go. They had made their life. In Iran, and so they decided to stay. And so a small group went home. Secondly, the condition of the land was not good. And the city that they had once lived with was in disrepair and rubble abounded. So they, you, you see pictures on the television of places that are bombed. You think of Syria for a moment. If the people go home, what do they go home to? A terrible mess. Thirdly, while these people had been away, new people had moved into the area and they resented the people coming back to their own land. And so there were fights. Who owns this? Not new, is it? And lastly, and we have all said this, because we're all, except for Archie, are old enough to have said this, Ah, oh, it's not like the good old days. Because they go back and the temple is ruined and they have to start to rebuild it. And all the older generation keeps saying, oh, it's not as good as it was in the past. And so things aren't as they would like it to be. And unfortunately, life is like that sometimes, isn't it? There are good things and then there are difficulties. And it's like that in regards to our spiritual life. that we think about our salvation and we praise God for the fact that he has saved us. And we are overjoyed at the forgiveness of our sin and the growing relationship with God and a peace with God. But then we've got to get on and live it. And it's a struggle at times, isn't it? It's difficult to be patient with that person, isn't it? They're a real pain in the neck. Or, oh, I got angry again with that person and said what I shouldn't have said. How can I be Christian? How am I going? Am I going one step forward and two steps backwards? It can be a struggle like that. It's not always easy. But we can apply that sort of struggle not only to our personal lives, but we can also apply it to our church, both locally and generally. Many of us here grew up in churches where Sunday schools had lots of kids, the bus would go round and pick up children. And people wanted their children baptised. But today, few kids come to Sunday school. Few people want their children baptised. It's not the done thing even to come to church at Christmas and Easter like it once was. We live in a different world now. And that's set out for us in verses 4 and 5. The people, remembering what God has done, says this, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. What he's saying they're saying there is they are actually praying to God. God changed things in this situation. And that's what we need to do. We would want to see our church grow. We are in a transitional phase now. We're thinking through what should be done so that we might share the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ with people. And I have been greatly encouraged that that is the approach of the church. There aren't hidden agendas here or political groups fighting with one another. Everybody is committed to thinking, well, how can we get this church to be full and have more people in it? But not just to fill up the chairs, but so that people can come to know the Lord Jesus like we do. We want to see spiritual regeneration in our area. And it's not easy. It's different. Now, I have shared this story with a a few people. When I uh, went to be the rector of East Willoughby, that was the first parish that I was the rector of. It's now called St John's on the Park. This is 40-odd years ago now. I look older than I am. There are two churches in the parish, Castle Crag and East Willoughby. After I'd been there a very short time, the two rector's wardens came to me and they said to me, David, we expect you to be the last rector of this parish. I thought, thanks very much. Why didn't you tell me that before I came? The parish had been in serious decline for some time. And I thought, I'm having none of this. So I did three things to help the place grow. And it's still there now, 40-odd years later. One, I visited people who were disaffected with the church in general that I had got to know in the area. Secondly, I baptised children and I would sit with the parents for a long time and share the truths about the Lord Jesus and many came to a faith in Jesus that way. And thirdly, I visited the Christmas and Easterers. But you see, today, well, we don't have Christmas and Easterers. Very few. And people don't want their children baptised anymore. So we actually have to think differently about how the ministry ought to be done. Now, it's not for me to say, this is how it ought to be done, because it'll be for the next person to uh, to say that. But we do really need to have a think about how we go about ministry, because things have changed. And the thing that we need to do is to do what these people have been doing and I know you have been doing. It says, restore our fortunes, Lord. In other words, pray that God will bring people, that we will find ways to get to people. And we're actually praying for a miracle because the verse 4 says this, like streams in the Negev, now the Negev was a dry and arid desert in the south of Judea, and it was that way for 11 months of the year. Nothing grew. And then what took place, there would, there would be a month of rain. But if it didn't come, they were in a terrible situation. Our country is in drought. And by the grace of God, we've had rain. We will always have drought. On Facebook the other day, a friend of mine posted an order of service for rain in drought. When was the order of service written? 1859. And that's the country we live in, isn't it? It is a place of flooding rains, of bushfires and drought and it's right that we should pray and God in his mercy has provided for us rain but the farmers need more and so we must continue to pray but we also should pray that the spiritual drought will come to an end, that people will turn to the God who is sovereign over the rain? That they'll turn back to God. And how will it happen? Verse 5 says this, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. What does that actually mean? Many of us will remember the Billy Graham Crusades. He reaped where others had sown. I'm not saying anything against Billy Graham here. I'm all for it. Two of my family came to a faith in Jesus because of the Billy Graham crusades. But there's a, principle, a biblical principle here. Billy Graham came, first of all, in 59. He reaped because many people had gone to Sunday school. It was the times of going to Sunday school. And people went to Sunday school or they went to church at Christmas and Easter. And so when he preached the gospel, God's Holy Spirit took those things of the past and brought people to salvation. And that's actually what still happens it's very rare I have seen it but it is very rare that someone will hear about Jesus for the very first time and commit their life to him rarely does that happen it does happen it can happen but usually what takes place People who come to a faith and trust in the Lord Jesus may have heard the gospel time and time and time again. And you might be the people who have been telling people the gospel. And it's not easy. The Bible says to us, those who sow with tears, it might be hard to tell people about the Lord Jesus. People might be offended. You might lose friends. Or family members might not talk to you. Or someone will say, give up, stop, I've heard you enough. And maybe you do need to stop nagging men. The women never nag, I know that, but the men do occasionally. (sighs) so bear in mind telling people about Jesus is not easy but then someone else will actually reap it they will reap with songs of joy somebody and you need to pray that someone gets to those whom you love and tell them about Jesus. And in my experience, it's usually not a member of the family. The member of the family tells and tells and tells or sets an example and sets an example, but it's usually somebody outside who brings them to a faith and trust. It's to do with pride. It's to do with lots of issues. But that's often... How it comes about. And so, I say to you, keep sowing. It's hard work. You know, those who understand farming or gardening understand these verses very well. But keep at it. And have courage, my friends. Have courage in regards to speaking up. And remember, you actually might be the last link in a chain with somebody else. Often we sort of say, well, I'm just a link in the chain, but you actually might be the last link. Have you ever thought of that? And it might be you who says to somebody, well, is there any reason why you ought not place your trust in the Lord Jesus? And then they have to sort of think, oh, no? And then our passage finishes these words. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaths with them. In other words, what's taking place there is Jesus is reminding us that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Starts very small. But in the end, many people are converted. And the work grows and grows. Think of Zambia's child. You know? Many of you know the history of that far better than I do. Starts small. And what has grown from it? You know? And that's how it may well be. We continue to persevere. As a congregation, we look to the future. We don't want to stay really small, do we? We want to see others come to a saving faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Sometimes God answers our prayers very swiftly, but other times not so. God, who has redeemed us, is still present with us individually and corporately. The God that first surprised us with the joy of our salvation has destined us for a greater hope that's called heaven. My friends, persevere, continue in obedience to the Lord Jesus. Knowing that sowing might be difficult, but reaping will bring great joy. As we're about to begin a new life, a new year in the life of our church, we need to commit ourselves to the hard slog of prayer. We need to keep witnessing and we need to take the risk of upsetting people by urging them to accept the salvation that God offers through Jesus. When you got your driver's licence, I bet you were thrilled. Your parents might not have been, <laughs> but you were. And Can I drive? Can I take the car? Can I, uh, you know? But now, what do you do? You get in the car and you go up to Woolies or you drive to church and you don't think about it. Our salvation ought not be like that. We can't always be on a high but we ought not ever take it for, for granted. For we have been bought with a price. And that was the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to learn from it this morning, both individually and corporately. And do we do pray, Heavenly Father, that we might put into practice the things that this psalm teaches us. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.